0: This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you are very well. Build it and they will come. In life, you cannot anticipate whether there is a market for something, whether people want that product, that idea that you've got for them. They don't know they wanted it until you gave it to them. So whatever it is that you've got burning inside you, maybe it's a movie script, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a product idea. uh, Maybe it's something, a little project at work. Okay, but if you think it's got value and you're bubbling with excitement about it, then just put it out there, make it, deliver that product, build it and they will come. Look, I hope you've had a very good week uh, i've had a good week i now my son basically he got a school thing application for some course right and the school letter came about 2 weeks ago and i remember saying to my son at the time oh we've got to fill this thing in we've got to fill out this form let's do it now And he said, I don't want to do that. I'll do it at the weekend. I'm like, really? Okay, fine. All right. Well, let's not forget. Anyway, two weeks later, of course, we've forgotten and we have missed the deadline. Now, I blame my son a bit because he's the one that put it off. But then I'm the parent, right? Children are silly. And parents are supposed to be not silly and they're supposed to be responsible. And I should have made sure that he filled out that form, which he did not. So I'm going to sort of say that we share the blame on that one. And it was just a reminder that when stuff like that happens, you know, if you get some piece of admin that you've got to do, just do it straight away. D-I-S-A. D-I-S-A. Do it straight away. It's the rule of DISA. Do it straight away. DISA. That's just that hasn't got a good ring to it. That's not gonna become a catchphrase, is it? D-I-S-A, do it straight away. But seriously, if we had done it, I've got the letter, all he's gotta do is fill out some information. It's done, do it straight away. Otherwise it's hanging over you. It's hanging over you. I'm actually better myself these days about do it straight away. Um, I've got a really great thing, which is things like parking tickets, which are horrific. But if you get one and you know that you can't appeal it because you parked illegally and there's no adequate defense, I pay it as quickly as I can. First of all, because it's always half price for the first 14 days. But secondly, I don't want that negativity. I don't want it hanging over me. You know, if I sort of if it's in my pocket for like two weeks, I'm just endlessly reminded that I got a parking ticket and it's like The pain continues that nah, just nip it in the bud, just write it off, you know. So ties in very much with what we were talking about a couple of shows ago, the power of now, which I must say has really stayed with me. Do you get that with certain things where I don't know, a book or a movie or something or a podcast where after you've let's say it's a movie after you've seen it the next day you're still thinking about it and it stays with you well then the power of now by Eckhart Tolle and there's a whole special episode on that on this show and I can't remember which which one it is but it's three or four uh, episodes ago maybe five go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it but it really stayed with me the power of now And the idea of it is that you cannot control what happened in the past. There's no point being nostalgic about the past, the good old days, and there's no point being anxious about the future. You just nail whatever you're doing right now in this second, because there is no future. There is no past. The present is the only thing that you inhabit. You always inhabit the present. So why not just nail that? Why not master the present? Because that's where endlessly people are just like their head is in the past. Oh, things were so much better in the old days. Or, or maybe it's the negative stuff like, you know, oh, I did all those bad things in the old days and I'm an idiot. And then your future, you're so worried about, you know, what could happen, catastrophizing. Or the other thing which is kind of as unhelpful is, um, oh, I'll be a millionaire next year. Don't know how, but it'll be fine. N- none of those things are helpful. It's just like Bang. It is currently 6.20 p.m. And that should be your focus is 6.20 p.m. 6.21 now. (laughs) I wasted a minute, didn't I? But look how precious time is. So do it straight away. That letter came back from school. We could have filled it out and it's done. Instead, it was hanging over us for days and then we missed the bloody deadline. The final part of the story is that we did it last night anyway. So we missed the deadline. Like, let's do it anyway. Let's fill it out and let's take it into school and apologize for being late. And he took it into school and he gave it to the teacher. And the teacher said, Yeah, that's fine. So it's okay. So we did not miss the deadline, but we did. And I tried to say to my son that this is a good lesson. Cause I've had a couple of other things, and I've actually talked about it on the podcast before, of the world contains deadlines that are out of your control. And you really have no choice but to obey them. There are just things that need to be done. And even if you're a maverick, and even if you're a bit of a chancer, you will not completely avoid bureaucracy and the powers that be. So, for example, the tax return, it has to go in. Otherwise, they will come and get it from you against your will. Um school you know if you're if you're a pupil at school they call the shots it's important to know when you're beat do you know what i mean it's like when you get pulled over by a police officer just be nice and be helpful because they're holding all the cards you won't be winning that battle you will not give police officers the power they crave by addressing them as officer And just being really cooperative and try to be the best part of their day. Because I think police officers have really hard days. I think they do an amazing job. I look up to them. So why don't you be that wonderful criminal that's a pleasure to deal with? Because I think they will, they will grant you, you know, if, if there's any wiggle room, if there's any discretion, they will grant it to you because of your attitude to them. It's amazing. It happened to me today at work. I've got a colleague who I actually don't work directly with very much. I worked briefly with two years ago, maybe longer, three years. So I worked with someone three years ago for like a few days. And then I've come back and I'm working with this person again, like intermittently, like maybe one or two days a week, just temporarily. Okay, so this is a very occasional figure in my life. But brilliant person, really nice person, great at their job. They reached out to me today saying, oh, I've got, um, I've got a guest that could go on your show. And there's a couple of other shows that want that, that guest. But I was going to offer it to you first. Isn't that amazing? And I messaged back going, I would love to have that guest. And thank you so much. And I really appreciate that you've thought of us. And what can I put it down to? Well, that this person is really kind, obviously, a great team player. But I guess there is some goodwill in the bank, I like to think. And my goodness, what a resource goodwill is. And I have experienced that in the past where maybe just worked with someone or had an encounter with someone. And I've stuck to my usual rule of just being really respectful and really friendly and positive and helpful or whatever you know all those things that you would want to be and by the way i don't always achieve that but you know where where possible and it comes back it's like karma isn't it so i don't think you should go about your life being nice and being helpful and being collaborative in order to get something back it shouldn't be cynical you know it's like being generous so that then you have good fortune. No, you, you do it for its own sake. You're pleasant to people. You're good to work with. You're reliable. You're honest. You're all those attributes. Um, just for for the pleasure of being like that as an end in itself. But what I will say is that if you try to do that, if you try to live, you know how people talk about eat clean. Now, eat clean is like, you know, you have real food, you have celery and you have salad and you have good, well, well-sourced well meat, free-range eggs. You know, just you're eating clean, right? Clean food. It's basically not processed food, isn't it? Well, I think try to live clean too. You live clean. So what that means is that you get enough sleep, you have good food in your body, and that you you tell the truth, that you're honest, you're authentic, that you listen to people, that you interact, that you're collaborative, that you're warm and friendly and positive and all that stuff. I think I said positive twice. You can't say positive too often, can you? Um, but it's amazing, really, what what does come back. I, I, honestly, let me reiterate, I don't like the idea that you'll just be nice and because then for some cynical reason. But, I, you know, it's I have definitely felt the full force of karma in a positive way. I've seen it in the media. A couple of presenters that were sacked. They were big stars 10 years ago on TV. I won't name names. I won't drag their names through the mud. It was a long time ago. And I'm sure they regret it. But these two presenters were on air. And they made a lot of obnoxious remarks. And you No, know, what happened is they were doing their show. And a producer had a recording of what they were saying during the ad break and when they were off air and they were being really sexist and just said some pretty horrible unedifying things and the tape leaked and there was a big scandal a lot of anger people were offended they wound up losing their jobs i mean they sort of resigned or got fired basically and that was it the end of two great careers they went off somewhere else to broadcast but their time in this country was over now it's not good that they was you know caught saying these really obnoxious things but i've got friends that knew about them and knew about the show that they worked on and what they said is um yeah these two these two chaps there was no well of goodwill for them In other words, within the company, you know, the team around them, the senior management, there was no goodwill that they'd built up. And that's why when things went wrong, they were gone. And I think that is kind of critical for you in your life as well, is to make sure that that you. You um what's the word? that you build up a reservoir of goodwill from the people around you because it is a powerful and silent resource. I remember I was on air a few years ago and I chopped up a mask on live radio in objection to the recently introduced mask mandate during the pandemic because it was my view that the science around masking was flaky at best and I thought it was a step too far to mandate people to cover their faces without a solid scientific case um it really bothered me that the state could just could cover your face um unilaterally it just didn't sit right with me and you could say to people wear a mask no problem but forcing people to do it and then eventually children in the classroom so you know don't get me started toddlers in america were masked that's how bad it got so i'm very pleased that i made a stand still waiting for that compelling evidence in regard to masking and stopping respiratory viruses, but that's for another time. So anyway, I did it. It became a massive viral moment because the video went out and it was watched many millions of times. I had Piers Morgan, who by the way, I really admire, big fan of his, that on his GMB, his, his breakfast show, ITV, GMB, He spent about 15 minutes ranting about me the next day saying uh, talk radio should get rid of get rid of Mark Dolan because of this disgraceful chopping up of a mask. And. Basically, it was a big story. But the management around me, the bosses, first of all, they called me when it all blew up. First thing they did is said, well done, congratulations on the video, because. Obviously, the business I'm in—it's about making noise, isn't it? It's noise and numbers. We had noise and we had numbers. It was a viral video; it was a global thing. Um, so, firstly, they said congratulations and well done. Um, and then, you know, maybe a day or two after that, there, there was sort of like some concern. Oh my God, did he go too far? You know, within the company, there was a little debate about whether that that whether whether what I did was the right thing to do. I. Um, uh, <laughs> The boss took me aside one day and said, uh, there's a couple of people in the building who say they don't feel safe here because of what you did. They feel unsafe. And um, I reassured them that whilst I. Whilst I used my platform to challenge the mask mandate, I did follow the rules myself, which involved wearing a mask going into the building, which I did because I don't believe in breaking the rules what i like to do is debate them and challenge them but i do follow the law so i always wore a mask when i was in the building so they had to like say to these two people that felt unsafe that don't worry he wears a mask in the building which i think just gives you a flavor of how mad things got during that pandemic that that was even a story but there you go um but anyway the management stood by me and I think they were right to journalistically they, they ought to have because this is free speech and you debate things. And it was it, in a way I was just a victim of my own success. I You know, I'm there to spark a conversation. And that was an extreme version of of what happened. Um, I was basically doing my job, wasn't I? I got people talking and I had lots of people loved it and lots of people that didn't love it. And I guess, you know, go figure. That's that's what debating things looks like. And uh, but yeah, I didn't for a second fear for my job because I just felt a that what happened was journalistically justified. And I was doing my job, but also I knew that there was goodwill, that I had a great relationship with the management. I've never been a pain in the backside to work with. I was never late. I didn't call in sick. I didn't. um Do you know what I mean? And shout at producers. I just was not problematic. I wouldn't turn up drunk or anything, unlike colleagues. So what had happened is I'd built up a well of goodwill. And then when it when it came to it, rather dramatic moment when I've chopped up the mask and everyone, you know, lots of people are raging about it. They had my back. Um, if I was an absolute pain in the backside and a dreadful man, everyone hated me then uh, I might not have stayed there because that's the point where they just think, all right, well, we don't like this guy anyway. This is a perfect opportunity to get rid. So yeah, goodwill from human beings is a tremendous resource and it's the same in relationships. It's the same with your partner and your kids or your parents, colleagues at work. You conduct yourself in in a way that you're mindful of other people. That you listen to people. That you are just a positive figure in other people's lives. And then um, you're laughing. I mean, I've had it with like a taxi and I left my wallet in the cab, you know. But because the cab driver had had a positive experience with me, he had to like drive back and bring the wallet back. And it was a pain in the neck for him to do that but we'd been chatting in the car and we'd we'd established a rapport and then I got out of the car and said, thanks for the ride and little tip and all the rest of it. And then bang, there's your karma. You know, you've left, left the wallet and he doesn't mind helping you out. But if I've been rude and obnoxious, which many people are, by the way, I bumped into a taxi driver the other day and he said he knows um, a very famous male presenter who was so rude to him. He was quite horrified. They're not going to, they're not going to, Why should they chase after you with your lost wallet? No, sod you. It's almost revenge if you were horrible to them. It's a perfect opportunity to get their revenge. So, yeah, that is a big thing. And do it straight away. Oh, quick hack, an excellent hack. Which Let's see how we're doing for time because I'm going to. Oh, yeah, that's good. What time is it? How are you? Um, it's 6.34 now. Time flies. But this has been valuable time, hasn't it? Because I'm talking to you. We're sharing this experience. Um, yes, a great hack. I'm cooking tonight. I'm halfway through cooking. So I'm actually going to have to pause the podcast and then come back and finish it later, which is going to be really confusing for me. But you won't know the difference because of the magic of editing. But, um... I'm doing chips. Now, listen, this show is low carb, okay? It is the low carbohydrate podcast because let me remind you. And by the way, I'm not a doctor. So if you change your diet, please seek professional help. I'm an idiot, not a doctor. But I cut the carbohydrates and lost three stone. Never put it back. But as I always say, once you've hit your target, you can bring some carb back in. So I've got some chips in the oven because my son likes them and I can have a couple of chips it's not the end of the world I do find them enjoyable Um, I train with this guy I do I love to do the lifting and he always says well you earn your carbs when you do the heavy lifting you've earned those carbs anyway so I'm having carbs tonight I'm having steak and I'm having chips we're having and I'm doing a pepper sauce I'll quickly give you the pepper sauce recipe you get a quarter of a stock cube beef stock and just mix it in with a a tiny amount of water maybe three or four tablespoons of water just a little drop of water mix it in a pan so that what happens is that the the stock just mixes with the water so that you've got this sort of thick sauce right so You're just taking the stock cube and you're melting it in a bit of water so that it's kind of sludgy and it's completely melted. Then what you do is you add double cream, black pepper, loads of black pepper, because it's a pepper sauce, loads of black pepper, salt. And then you stir that around so that the beef stock mixes with the double cream. And then to thicken it, some parmesan cheese which you grate over the top and then when you sort of bring it to a gentle not a boil because it's cream you'll ruin it but if you sort of warm it so it kind of starts to bubble the um, parmesan cheese will melt into the cream and that will thicken it and that is your pepper sauce absolutely delicious so we're having that so steak pepper sauce and chips and frozen spinach But anyway, um, I had to kind of cook quickly today. I needed a quick solution. So do you know what I do? And this is a, a very practical hack and I love it. You know, when you buy frozen oven chips, but you need them to be ready more quickly, take the chips, put them in the microwave for around four minutes. And that starts to cook them already because you can actually cook potatoes in the microwave oven. You wouldn't believe it, but you can. Like a baked potato, what you've got to do is you've got to slice it down the middle and put holes in it so it doesn't explode. But anyway, so four minutes in the microwave for your frozen oven chips. And then you can slam them straight into the oven and they require half the duration to cook because they've already defrosted and cooked slightly. All you're really doing is kind of browning them up, crunching them up a bit. So there you go. Half the time, uh, oven chips in half the time in the microwave full setting not the defrost just full microwave cooking i just did it because i was desperate one day outrageously late for something and it just worked and they were delicious i would argue they were slightly better who knew and we are back you see look you wouldn't know this but i have been away for about two hours but i hit pause on the recording because i had to feed the family and i can give you some feedback on the chips they were excellent As always, they were microwaved from frozen and then they were slammed in the oven. And I'm very happy. Do you know what? I think even when I'm not in a hurry, I might just always do that. Seriously, I'm really happy. Let me straighten the camera because um, I'm a little OCD and it's going to drive me absolutely mad looking at this wonky camera. Now. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? necessity is the mother of invention you know when you actually need a solution you come up with one that's when I was a student and I had wet socks and I just needed to have dry socks and I put them in the microwave now I do not think you should do that you must not do that because the fire brigade will tell you that's a fire hazard it's a terrible idea but I did do it and it did dry my socks um if you basically just do it for like 15 seconds 20 seconds, and then open it, and just turn the socks a bit, and then close it, and then give it another 20 seconds. If you keep a real eye on it, but don't do it because it's a major fire hazard. But I did do it, and the dro- socks were dry as a result. But um the problem you've got is, honestly, do not do it because what will happen is that you will put the socks in the microwave, and you put it on for five minutes. You'll forget about it, and then and then um, you'll burn the house down. There's a terrible story of a journalist. And I think it was in the 80s. Journalism, certainly in the past, was a very alcoholic industry. Long hours and you would go to the pub. Sometimes you would drink with people in order to get the story from them. And it was just a culture among hacks to drink. Less so now, I would say. But back in the day, it was like a 24-7 thing. I love, I used to work with a lot of journalists when I started in radio. And it was great hearing all their stories about filing copy from around the world, dictating stories down the phone line, drunk to a sub-editor at the office. Amazing, amazing. There's got to be a book in that. In fact, I should read some books by some legendary old journalists. Let me write that down. Journalists' books. Uh, Listening to people's stories is not only entertaining, but very instructive. And I'd recommend it. You know, I mean, I... I got my education at uni, but really I got my education from just listening to people and their stories. Growing up above my dad's pub, sitting down with the customers and them just absolutely sharing their life story with me, spilling the beans. And they've had a drink, so they're even more honest about it. And then, yeah, as a young radio producer hanging out with these old journalists, we used to do a breakfast show and then we would... Retire to a greasy spoon cafe, and they would just sit there, telling me what they've been up to over the years, running after Princess Diana in the 1980s, door-stopping Prince and George Michael and Elton John. Amazing stories. I've got great regard for those journalists that do the doorstep. You know, they've just been sent by the editor to a celebrity's house, and they've got basically got to go and get a story. Uh, Or journalists that get sent abroad. It's like, right, um, Princess Diana is in Cyprus. Go and find her, get a story. We've heard she's got a new boyfriend. Off you go. And they would literally, the office would buy them their air ticket and they would just fly to Cyprus and find Princess Diana and get the story. Amazing. And in the 80s, what they used to do is that if they couldn't get the story, they would quite literally make it up. I have a very, very, very esteemed, quite well-known journalist friend who said that we just, uh, yeah, if we were in trouble, we would just come up with something, which I'm delighted to say you can't do these days. But there was something charming about that era in which you could just embroider a story. But anyway, so listening to people's stories is really good. Listening to their life experience, if you think about it. You gain so much from your own experience, don't you? You make mistakes, you have your triumphs, you have your disasters and you learn from it. Why not learn from others as well and let them tell you about their mistakes so you don't have to? I think my mentality of listening to people and gaining life experience from them and gaining their ideas and basically I'm quite parasitic. I'll just, I'll sit with someone, I'll hoover up their story in order to assist me in my journey and I think I know where that comes from and I think it's because I'm the youngest of four and when they, you're when you're the youngest of four you see your siblings making mistakes and getting in trouble with mum and dad and you're like "Ooh, my sister got shouted out for eating ice cream before dinner I won't do that note to self Don't eat ice cream before dinner, because I've just observed that when that happens, you get shouted at. So I managed to sort of glide through my childhood without getting in too much trouble because I had observed where the boundaries were. And I'd observed what annoyed my parents and what didn't and what you could get away with by the mistakes of my older siblings. And I think I've just kept that, you know, and I do look I'm in broadcasting stuff. I do look at what other people do and I see mistakes that people make and I'm like, don't do that personal note to self don't do that and you can do that you can observe what others are doing learn from it take what's great about other people and make sure you're you know if there's bad aspects to them then do not be like that you know that's where the idea of hero worship comes from don't you think jimmy kimmel famous talk show host when he was a child He wanted to be David Letterman. He hero worshipped David Letterman and watched the show every night. When it was his birthday, he had a late show with David Letterman birthday cake. He had a David Letterman jacket. It was just he lived and breathed David Letterman. Well, then he's gone on to become David Letterman, but in his own way, with his own identity and his own sense of humour. But it all started by him focusing on. And, you know, he probably just learned a lot from watching Dave. Dave. It's the same with great authors, you know, the authors. So, for example, John le Carré, the spy author, loved Graham Greene. So he, ha- he read loads of Graham Greene and then that informed his writing style. And he had a great career in his own right as a spy novelist. So everyone has got experience that is useful to you. And most people are happy to share their experience. People are normally very generous with their experience and they can give you advice older people worth listening to they're old they've been there they've got the t-shirt one of the best things about older people is they don't care what people think of them because they understand how silly that is when you're all going to die so what does it matter that was a line i quoted to you a few weeks ago about from anthony hopkins who said what people think of me is none of my business isn't that marvelous the other thing, by the way, if people attack you, that is them not being happy. They've got a hole in themselves. They've got a sense of inadequacy. And they're taking it out on you, but it's not your fault. I've got the exact quote. I'm going to get you the exact quote because it's um, it's something to do with unmet need. Have you heard that? Unmet need. Unmet need quotes. here we go okay unmet need quote don't you love the internet it's quite useful isn't it there you go you ready for this it comes from marshall rosenberg every criticism judgment diagnosis an expression of anger is the tragic expression of an unmet need every criticism judgment diagnosis an expression of anger is the tragic expression of an unmet need. So what that means is that if someone has a go at you, it's about them, not you, right? The damage is within them and they're just lashing out. Because if it's constructive criticism, where you say to me, Mark, could your podcasts be whatever? We want more life hacks. That is constructive. But if it's just your talentless so and so that's not constructive is it that's just an attack it's negative um and it says a lot about the person doing the attacking not you but unfortunately too many of us have a low self-esteem where we take that criticism on board the attack and we sort of believe the abuser we believe the attacker do not believe the attacker remember from ages ago by the way we've done loads of podcasts now And there's only one reason why we've done so many, and that is you. So I want to thank you so much for your company every week, for listening to the show, being part of this community. 38 episodes. That's not bad, is it? And given the fact that some of the episodes are nearly an hour, that probably is. My mathematics are not great. I would say that's maybe about 50 hours. I would say it. I reckon it tallies 45, 50 hours of material. But anyway. Um, yeah. If oh, What was it? Oh, it was ages ago. Now I've forgotten. See, I interrupted my train of thought. But by the way, which is another life hack, which is that um, it's late now. Remember when I was telling you it was 630, it's now 5 to 10. And the circadian rhythm is telling me to go to sleep. And my brain is not what it was two hours ago. So you're suffering as a result of that. And this is why another great life hack Anything important that you need to do, anything creative, anything that is really going to demand your best resources, do it first thing in the morning. That's when you're fresh. That is when you are fresco. Honestly, I mean, I know you get some people, they're night owls and they come alive at 11. But as a general rule, as a general rule, I, I find the best work is in the morning. A nice cup of coffee and then away I go. Job's are good and. But oh, it was about, what was, let me just recall because I did want to, I mean, it, was, it came from a previous podcast, but it was about criticism and stuff like that. Oh, yes, I'm glad I remembered. Um, remember from a podcast ages ago when I talked about comedy reviews from my stand-up years when I was a stand-up. By the way, to be continued. When the time is right, I shall return to the stage. Will you come? Will you come and watch the show? I'd love to have you. I'm gathering material. There's a lot of material. Anyway. I used to get reviews and I would get good reviews and bad reviews. And I learned the art of working out whether the bad review was going to be useful to me or not. Because there were some reviews that were just bitchy. Yeah, that's so all I can say. Just a bit personal, maybe about my appearance or my persona. Just very judgy, very, felt very judged and bitchy. And uh, yeah, just seems like this person does not like me and they're having a go at me, right? So I learned the difference between that sort of review and then a review that was explaining why the show wasn't good. And those reviews, the latter, were invaluable. Even if it was one star, it didn't matter. It was very useful to me. The first time I would read a review that was a bad review, but which was explaining why the show was bad, it was painful. But what I would do is I'd convert that pain into something positive and I would read read this review and actually try to use what they've said as direction. It's almost like they're being an unpaid director of the show. And I remember that one review said that I do a joke and everyone laughs. And then I have this annoying habit of then just adding an extra line after that, like a topper, just putting another improvised joke on top. And they said he kept doing it and it was very irritating. And when I read that, I thought, yeah, I agree, actually. I, I didn't realise, I had didn't not noticed that I do that, but you're absolutely right. So from from that moment... I stopped doing those topper jokes, right? So just do the joke, let everyone laugh, let it simmer down, then you move on to your next bit of material. So it was a negative review, which made me a better comedian. So when you're in the office and you're getting feedback or maybe in a relationship or from a friend and they're criticising you, think of it as vitamins. Just draw out the valuable aspects of what they're saying. Don't be so defensive. So when I finish my show every night, I always say, okay, what was bad about tonight's show? And sometimes my brilliant colleagues, they'll say, oh, your timings were really bad. You know, it was like really rushed at the end. In fact, my very last show, they told me off because it was rushed at the end. But that wasn't a personal attack. The show would be better if it wasn't rushed at the end. They were absolutely right. It was constructive criticism. So your job as you go about your life is to embrace criticism Embrace the negativity, or but it isn't negative, by the way. Embrace the criticism and get the value out of it so that you can be better and know the difference between that and somebody that's just having a go at you. OK, and I've had feedback about my show come off air and someone's just been more negative or bitchy and they're like, well, thank you for your input. I don't agree. And I just discard that criticism. I just ignore it. So, you know, I, I've got great colleagues at the moment. I've had probably a few, one or two people in the past where you realise they're just a negative person. They're just a little grey cloud hanging over the place. And if they were not a grey cloud hanging over you, they would be a grey cloud hanging over someone else. So I learned to ignore their criticism and I would take it from the people who were trying to help me. And by the way, some of those people that are trying to help me, they can be very harsh. And it can be very painful what they tell me, but I know they're trying to help and that they are, they've got my best interests at heart. So your job is to work out the difference between friend or foe when it comes to criticism. Okay, And you'll find it will transform you because if you've got people who love you, who are saying you drink too much or you're very uh, unreliable or your diet's really bad, right, those people do not bring up a barrier embrace what they've got to say and say thank you I appreciate that you say I drink too much or I've got a bad diet or I'm unreliable and I'll work on it understand that the right kind of criticism criticism from the right place is like vitamins for you it's like a juicy red steak so I think that's that um right I've got some hacks for you first of all From my life partner and best friend, Mrs. Mrs. D. Very good one. In the kitchen, if something has run out, such as tomato ketchup. And by the way, can I tell you that Heinz do a low sugar, low salt tomato ketchup. And it's sweetened with stevia, which is a natural plant sweetener, which has no calories. And it tastes exactly the same. It might be nicer than regular ketchup. Heinz low sugar ketchup. Give it a try. I love it. But anyway, let's imagine that it's run out. She leaves it out on the sideboard because then she remembers to replace it if she goes to the supermarket or does an online shop. So the idea is that if you need to not forget something, then you leave it out. So you have to walk past it and you see it when you, before you leave home, before you leave the house. But that's really good. It's a real simple trick is just leave things out if they are. Let's imagine there's a letter that needs to be signed. Just put it on the kitchen table. So when you come down in the morning, you're like, oh, yeah, there's that letter. It's just a physical reminder of that thing that you've got to do. Very simple, but brilliant. And I like it. I've got another great one for you. A few episodes ago, I was telling you about my jumper that I, well, actually, I don't think I, no, I was saying that I love the fact that it's autumn now, it's getting cold and I can get the knitwear out. And what a fan I am of wool because it's naturally antibacterial. So you don't need really to wash woolen sweaters. You can just air them. Okay. So even if you are wearing it a lot and maybe even sweating in it, you hang it, hang it up on a hanger, just let it air 24 hours and it will just be clean. And by the way, if you wash wool, wash it cold. It does not need to be warm at all, the water. Just wash it cold. But anyway, I've got an amazing new development for you. And it is as follows. And it came from an accident, which is oh forever ago. I had a jumper. And it. I put it in the machine. I thought it was on the woolens wash, but it was on the regular cycle and it shrank. And it was too small to wear outside of the house, but it was fine for indoors. And it was the warmest jumper I've ever had in my life. And it was basically what happens is that if wool shrinks, it becomes warmer because the fiber is more sort of tightly packed together. The Austrians and the Germans actually boil wool. Did you know they boil wool? Um, There's a really nice slipper company, which I think is Austrian, called Gieswein, G-I-E. S-S-W-E-I-N, Geese fine Slippers. And they're actually slippers made of boiled wool. It's really scratchy and it's really thick and it's really warm. And so it's a great, great thing. So anyway, that jumper was my sort of indoor winter jumper. And you could just, you were never cold in it because you just put it on. You just like, it was so thick. It was so heavy because it was a bigger jumper and it shrunk and packed together. Well, anyway, um, I enjoyed that jumper and don't know what happened to it. Do you not think if you had a magic wand, if you've got items of clothes that you used to love and you don't know whatever happened to them, it's like I would do anything to have that jumper back. I must have had a sort out one day, a big tidy up and decided that I didn't want that anymore. And I'd love to have it back. I wish I hadn't got rid of it. I would be wearing it now on this podcast. It was a next, it was a lamb's wool next jumper and it shrank, but it was great. The other thing I'm gutted, I was just thinking about it recently, I'm gutted I got rid of. When I was at university, um, I went there and it was really tough, you know, I went up to Edinburgh. I wasn't, you know, I'd been in London my whole life and it was cold and I was in Scotland. I felt very English. I had a great time, a fabulous four years. But that first year was, you know, steep learning curve. And I just was, you know, yeah, it was just an emotional roller coaster, isn't it? That first year of uni. In the end, looking back on it, joyful days, but challenging. And I got a job. I had a job at Burger King. And uh, that was good. So a little bit of saving up money and all of that. And the one thing I've always loved is radio. I'm a huge, gigantic consumer of radio and of music, uh, both of which are like a drug to me. I think the reason why I like radio is that I grew up above a pub and therefore there was always a lot of human conversation around me and just noise. For example, the jukebox was quite loud, so I'd be in the living room and I could hear, who would it have been, like Bob Dylan or something, the Beatles just reverberating through the floorboards from the bar downstairs And you might think that was just like a terrible way to live, having this sound bleeding through the floorboards. But I don't know. I just it was just uh, normal to me. And it was it was cool. It was fine. You just turn the telly up. You're watching TV. Just turn the TV up and you were fine. Drowned it out. So I just grew up with noise around me. And also I love chatter and I like human conversation. So radio was a really, really exciting thing. And music. And I just had the most crappy radio at university. It was rubbish. But I tolerated it. And then after maybe second or my third term in the first year. I saw this Panasonic radio cassette player. With like a subwoofer. It was quite big. The whole unit was quite wide. Maybe two foot wide. And then... I don't know what centimetres, what would that be? 30 centimetres, 60, maybe 75 centimetres wide. Yeah, about that. About that, 70, 70 80 80 centimetres wide and then probably 40 centimetres deep. And it was a Panasonic, Panasonic subwoofer. So what it was, was twin cassette and then a radio FM, AM, long wave. And also had it, did it have a CD on it? I don't think it did. Imagine, that's how old I am. I think it was just cassette and radio. Imagine, that is how old I am. I can't believe it. Anyway, so I saw it in this shop, It's independent electronic shop. Do you remember those? Before you had these, you know, high street brands, you would just have a shop and it would just be called Ray Stevens Audio and you'd go in and Maybe Ray would be in there, or perhaps it was Ray's grandson. But you were just, you know, there wasn't like a huge choice, right? A few radios, a couple of record players, and this Panasonic thing. And I don't know how much it was. Can only imagine. But it wouldn't have been cheap. Maybe 60 or 70 quid, right? Not nothing. This was in. Now, when did I go to uni? Would have been like 93. Anyway, I saw this thing made in Japan, Panasonic, the answer to all of my audio prayers. And then I worked for a few more weeks and I went in and I bought it and I took it back to the halls of residence. I plugged it in and it was amazing. It did have a subwoofer you could control. It had like an extra button for more bass and it had a graphic equalizer on it. The radio was great. Really good. Long aerial. The reception was perfect. Perfect. The sound from the speakers was excellent and it just looked great. It was black. It was so space age. I loved that device. And it was with me throughout my all my university years. The amount of music that was played on that was endless, unlimited radio and then music. And I was so fond of it and it was so reliably good that I continued using it into my 20s. And it was still in my life in my 30s. And I, I do remember... Maybe five years after I bought it, it had audio in at the back. So I had a Discman and I could plug the CD into it and then it becomes a CD player because it had the. is Isn't it lovely when you buy technology that's kind of future proofed and that the Japanese had been smart enough to have an audio in at the back so that you could plug extra stuff into it. How great is that? What advice? I think you'll agree. I hope it comes across that I really loved this thing because of what it gave to me as a person. Well, are you ready for the kicker? I mean, I'm horrified at telling you this, but about seven years ago, I got rid of it. What was I thinking? I got rid of it. I would do anything to have that back. And when I say got rid of, I don't mean that I threw it away. Of course not. It was in great working order. I think I, I, I either, I think I took it into a charity shop. I think I took it into a charity shop I gave it away anyway whatever I did I gave it away it was no way would throw that thing away it was an absolute treasure but I gave it away and the reason why I'd like it back is compared to the technology we have now it's inferior but just packed with memories and I think I would use it just as a point of principle just because imagine the stories the journey big mistake but you know what I have kept most things that I really love and there is an element of moving on. I do remember at the time I was just irritated by the sheer size of it. I thought this is massive and I never use it. And I think the kids, I offered it to the kids. like No, thanks. So, but, you know, it was joyous to me. Now, how did we get onto that? Let me make sure that, well, I don't know. I have no idea how we got onto that record player. Oh, yes. Thank you. I'm doing well. I prefer, um quarter past 10 at night i'm not doing too badly right so what happened is that i by the way i've got to be careful with time here 27 37 47 yeah we're approaching an hour aren't we it's got to be less than an hour because of social media or something i don't understand but i've been told less than an hour last week's was 59 minutes 48 seconds or something uh yes the jumper, I would like to have that back. And it takes me to my last brilliant piece of advice to you. So I have now been using the fact that wool shrinks to my advantage. Because okay, you would think wool shrinking is negative. But when something goes wrong, that is a huge opportunity. Did you know that Arthur Guinness, the guy that invented Guinness, was making beer and he burnt the hops. He didn't want to waste the hops. So he carried on making the brew anyway. And it was Guinness. And he became very rich. So I've accidentally, uh, you know, shrunk my jumper. I've spotted an opportunity. So what is that opportunity? Well, it's very simple. What you do is you go to a shop that sells jumpers. And I went to the supermarket because clothes in the supermarket are much cheaper than normal shops. So in the UK, we have a shop called Tesco and they've got these outlets called tesco extra and it's a supermarket with food and drink but it also has fleeces and puffer jackets and shoes and everything right it's got clothes for kids clothes for women clothes for men and i'm always um i just can't help but pop into those places and i found a lamb's wool jumper which was reduced it was on sale and it was full price in the supermarkets lamb's wool and it was like maybe 30 or 35 pounds, which is, of course, not wildly cheap. But this is knitwear. This is natural wool. That's not bad. And it was reduced to something like 1750 or whatever, maybe roughly half price. It was cheap. It was less than 20 quid. And it was burgundy. And what I, I went and there were a few of them. And I got the XXXL. You know where this is going, don't you? bought the xxxl biggest one and i went down and i swiped it through the self-checkout lady took the tag off and i've got this enormous jumper which is much too big and what did i do i washed it at 60 degrees and it shrank and it shrank to the perfect size really lovely and small but no it's it's still quite big but i just shrank it down and now it's It's nicely fitted. Basically, what happened is it's a bit too small, but you can then if you go too much, like you've shrunk it too much, you can stretch it a little bit back to the size you want. Okay, you can correct backwards. And now this jumper, I just it's my best jumper. It is my cheapest supermarket jumper, about 17 or 18 quid. But it is double the thickness of a normal jumper because I shrank it. It's so insulating. I think it looks good. And I never have to worry about it shrinking because I could just wash it at 60 again if I wanted to. I wouldn't. But anyway, it's amazing. So why don't you get yourself down to a charity shop or cheap shop or whatever? Get yourself some knitwear, which is way too big. Wash it hot. If, by the way, some knitwear is already sort of machine safe, right? So some wool, like, for example, Icebreaker make excellent wool tops. And even if you wash them at 60, they don't shrink. And it's, I don't know how they do it, but it's very clever. They've somehow pre-shrunk it or whatever. But um, then just do it at 95. You just go, you just crank it up even further and knock yourself out. But 60 should shrink most walls. But it needs to be way too big and then shrink it down. And then if it's too tight, whilst it's damp, just stretch it with your hands. Give it a good old stretch. Um, If you're having real problems with it, what you do is you make the garment, if it's way too shrunken, you make the garment wet. You soak it in water with hair conditioner. And then what you do is wring the water out of it. And that sort of hair conditioner mixed with the water softens the fibers and that allows you to stretch the wool. So that is how you, the best, I mean, you can stretch the wool while it's damp. It is a bit stretchy while it's damp, but If you want that extra stretch, water, hair conditioner, and then just little pull it. It just softens the fibers and allows them to stretch a little bit back to their original shape. But there you go. So if you're curious, um, why don't you go on YouTube and check out the previous episode in which I was wearing the amazing supermarket jumper that I shrank to size. Uh, Listen, it's been lovely chatting to you. Lots more to get through next time. Um, When I see you for episode 38, we're going to have give people your time. Processes, have systems. Don't be superstitious. Don't be stupid. And much more. Um, It's been lovely chatting. Go and have a great seven days. And remember, I want you to identify the difference between useful constructive criticism that makes you better and negativity if you've got somebody negative in your life just insulate yourself from them okay if you can't avoid them if it's a colleague at work and there's nothing you do about it just smile and say thank you and just ignore Uh, but if it's a relationship that you can exit from you if possible should not have negative people around you and do it straight away Live in the now. Now is the moment. There is no past. There is no future, only present. Lots of love and I'll see you in a week.